We live in a world that teaches us that weird is bad, weird is wrong, weird is a mistake, weird is a problem, um, that normal is good. Um, and we live in a world that says weaknesses are bad and flaws are bad and imperfection is bad. And we miss how those imperfections are interesting. We miss how those imperfections are sometimes unavoidable. We miss how those imperfections are also perfections. We miss the connection between weaknesses and strength. Hello, and welcome to the Three Uniques podcast. I'm your host, Brenda Rigby. I'm a business and leadership coach and entrepreneur. I'm a single mom of two teenagers and a purpose-led believer. My mission is to maximize the human potential by helping you unlock what's unique in all of us and design a big life that leaves you whole, grounded, and complete. Welcome to Three Uniques. Good morning, good morning. Hope everyone's having a good morning so far. Just gotta fix my volume. This morning I'm inviting on Dave, David Rendell. Uh, David Rendell is a keynote speaker. He's spoken on TED Talks, uh, all about employee engagement, productivity, and uh, teamwork and well-being in the workplace. So he's gonna be coming on this morning. And it's good to see everybody. Hey Darla. So I'm Brenda Rigney. I am the podcast host of Three Uniques. I'm also a business and leadership coach. Uh, I'm based out of the coastal Salish territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. And identify as she and her. And my colonial ancestral heritage is Scottish, Irish, and Ukrainian. So that's just a little bit about me. I'm just waiting for David Rendell to come on and he'll be on it in a few minutes. Hope everyone's having a good morning. Oh, here's David right now. So I just need David to sign on and he'll get started. We'll get started in a few seconds. Hope everyone's having a good Tuesday morning so far. Hi, David. Yeah, so you should see a message from me saying an option to join on. So click that on. And I'll just take a couple of seconds. There you go. So I'm just waiting for it to click over. We'll get talking. There he is. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I am fantastic. Amazing. Thanks for joining me this morning. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so for folks that are tuning in, this is David Rendell. David Rendell is uh, a keynote speaker. Uh, he's done several talks on TED Talks, TEDx Talks, all around employee engagement, productivity, teamwork. Uh, David, you've got a doctorate in organizational leadership and some psychology degrees. So you're also approaching it from like a science standpoint. But I want to dive in today and learn a little bit more about what you do, help you, how you support entrepreneurs and executive teams and CEOs in creating engagement in the workplace. And then obviously nice. learn, and then obviously learn more about what makes you unique. Cause you talk about that a lot about amplifying your uniques. You're the author of freak factor, which is all about, right. Celebrating what's like, you're like, just like your freakness, right. And just all your unique qualities. Well, it fits with your thing, right? The subtitle is discovering uniqueness by flaunting weakness, right? So it's about finding that uniqueness, hiding inside of what we normally think of as weaknesses. 
Amazing. So David, what else should we know about you besides some of the things I've already shared with folks that are tuning in? Um, I do ultra marathons and Ironman triathlons. Um, I have three daughters and I've been married for 26 years. I live in North Carolina. Um, I'm freakishly tall, um, six foot six. And uh, I wear lots of pink. Yeah, I know. It's like I brought my token pigment today. <laughs> Celebrating me as a mom, a title just above queen. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So how did you get into the space of employee engagement and working with executives and entrepreneurs and, and you know, helping them celebrate the uniqueness of their people? I think sort of by accident. I mean, it, it, I had a personal realization that my weaknesses were strengths, that the things I'd always gotten in trouble for um, and was told that I had to fix and repair about myself were actually my best qualities. And then I just started wondering if that was true for other people and basically initially framed it kind of as a, here's how to live your best life, find your career, find mm -hmm. a place where you fit and where you're happy and fulfilled, but then quickly realized there was a lot of implications for how to manage people and get the best out of them, help create places where people fit, help people find the right fit, help people discover their strengths hiding inside of their weaknesses. And so that gradually transitioned. Plus I was, um, you know, in positions where I was leading people and studying leadership. And so I was looking at those kind of implications. So it was just kind of a combination of a personal realization Mm -hmm. with the work that I was doing in leadership and the things I was studying around leadership. Um, and then just seeing that those two things went together and, and gradually having people, you know, even ask that question, well, wouldn't this also be good for managing people? Wouldn't this also be good for right. your marriage relationship? Wouldn't this also be good for taking care of your children? And so started mm -hmm. seeing there was more implications than just how can, how can you have a better career um, but it's also about how can you make other people's lives better, create better organizations, help people be more productive and more fulfilled. And what have you seen um, in, say, like the last year and a half? Obviously, I mean, we've got pandemic going on, still going on. It's flaring up in different spaces. Um, social injustice issues that are going on globally. Um, social economic issues, like, I mean, obviously, like recessionary times. Uh, like within all of that, I guess, you know, I'm seeing quotes in a lot of business periodicals saying like one in four Americans, one in four Canadians are planning on leaving their job, maybe going to another organization, but also looking at starting something up on their own because now maybe they have the freedom to work outside of their city centers. They're realizing, you know, they're kind of reassessing their values, what's important to them. And, you know, maybe the emphasis they put on their career or their workplace isn't as much and they're looking for other things. How has that like impacted your work or just things that you're seeing in that space? Well, one of the things I saw during the pandemic is, is I thought, well, geez, I always would joke that I was irrelevant in a zombie apocalypse. You know, nobody needs a motivational speaker um, if we're all in the middle of an episode of The Walking Dead, right? And then in the <laughs> pandemic, we sort of were in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. And I'm like, I don't even really know how to start a fire um, without matches. Um, and I don't know how to hunt my own food. You know, we're in trouble here. Um, and very quickly, people started calling me and saying, can you do a webinar with our people at home? And can they include their family members and their mm. children? And can you talk about how weaknesses can be strengths and how to improve relationships with that information? We want to encourage and support 
our employees and their families. And since they're working from home, we want to improve those relationships. And so I really saw employers sort of at least some reaching out and trying to impact um, those non-business parts of their employees that a lot of companies really neglect and don't really think about. Right. So that's one thing that I saw. The other thing is that the pandemic didn't cause anybody to be unhappy with their job. It just gave people permission to do something different. I mean, I talk about in my book, the majority of people at any given time are unhappy in their work. Mm -hmm. And they're only there because they feel like they have to be in order to pay the bills or, or whatever it happens to be. Right. And so one of the things I know, I used to be a college professor and I taught non-traditional college students. And what we knew about non-traditional college students was people go back to school later in life not just out of the blue. They get divorced and then they go back to school. They're empty nesters and they go back to school. They lose their job and they go back to school. They, mm -hmm. have, they have children and they go back to school. They get a promotion and they go back to school. Once something's changing, it sort of gives us permission to change other things. And so the pandemic changed so many things that right. it put people in this state of flux where they had permission to change other things or they were open to changing other things. I mean, I just took um, my oldest two daughters to college, one for the first time and one for her second year, which is kind of the first time because during COVID, she was home a lot and school got canceled a lot. And right. We didn't really have that experience. And then my other daughter is starting her first uh, day at a new high school. Um, and that's all in the last four days. And yesterday, my wife and I uh, reorganized one of our rooms. We moved exercise equipment into a different room. Um, our life is changing. So we're looking at making other changes as well. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's what the pandemic did is it put people in a position to make other changes and to start assessing also, you know, that, Hey, if I'm going to die in two years of COVID um, or if I'm going to die in a few weeks, do I really want to die at this job? Um, right. So it causes people, I think, to ask really serious questions about their life and about meaning and about purpose that they might not otherwise ask because it kind of feels like, yeah, I'm going to live forever and it doesn't really matter and I'll get through this and I'll make enough money and I'll be happy later. And it kind of created, I think, a sense of urgency for a lot of people that, hey, there might not be a later um, and I want to enjoy and live my life now. So in some cases, what I'm hearing from you too, it's uh, despite the fact, and, and not that I would wish a pandemic on anyone or some of the things that we've had to adjust to over the last year and a half, but in some cases has been beneficial for people to really like sit back and evaluate, you know, what's, what's important to them and then make those significant shifts or changes in their life. Well, absolutely. And that's true really in any time of crisis. Unfortunately, that's no help to the people who are directly affected by the crisis, but to the people who are indirectly affected by the crisis. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell wrote in his book, you know, David and Goliath, that the people in London who didn't get killed by bombs got more confident every single day because they didn't die. And it just gave them the strength and the confidence that they wouldn't die the next day. That's no comfort to the people who did die. But for the people who were left behind, it changed them in a lot of positive ways that isn't the traditional PTSD that we think about. And right. so you can, and there is an idea called post-traumatic growth. There are things that can draw out the best in us, even though the circumstances that did it were difficult. Um, and again, that doesn't mean we forget about or minimize the damage that happened to the people whose families and loved ones were, were <laughs> lost or harmed by the pandemic. Uh, but for the people left behind, there can be a lot of positive sort of takeaways and lessons um, from something like that. Amazing. So, David, you're also here today to share your three uniques with us. So how about it? I'd love to hear them. <laughs> So I'm just supposed to share three things that are unique about me? Yeah, absolutely. All right. 
so probably um, one of my biggest uniques is that um, I'm funny. So uh, I was always in trouble at school for being disruptive, but normally that was telling jokes and making people laugh in my presentations. Um, I tell probably 50% of the time is funny stories. Um, sometimes people even come to my events and they've seen me before and they're like, are you going to tell the airplane bathroom story? Are you going to tell the one about the drive-through? Um, so probably one of my defining features is that I'm funny. I've done some stand-up comedy, just like open mics and stuff like that, but to work on it. And, and one of the defining things for anybody who's seen me speak or knows me as a person is that I'm funny. I make people laugh. I have a good sense of humor, um, those kinds of things. So I think that's probably, and, and my wife, um, there, I don't know why she would marry me at all. Um, you know, I was six, four and a hundred and, you know, 60 pounds when she met me. That's not a body most people would be desirous of. Um, but she said she married me because I'm funny. So that's definitely one of my defining characteristics. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> so, so that's one. Um, I think um, one of my other ones is I just love to learn. So I was listening to an audiobook this morning on my run. I listened to podcasts obsessively. I've read thousands of books. I almost feel like something's wrong if I'm not consuming some kind of educational material. Um, when I say I'm reading books, I'm not reading novels, although I will. I'm reading nonfiction books about science, <laughs> about history, about... I listened to a, an eight-hour book about sand called The World in a Grain, and it was fascinating, and about okay. how we're running out of sand and the right kind of sand and all those things. So I'm just, my, my, one of my top five strengths on the Strengths Finder is input. I just love to learn. I love to take in information. I love to walk a, watch a documentary or a film. Um, I love, I, I like music, but I find myself listening to more podcasts and audiobooks and reading books than I really do anything else. Um, and I think that's one of my defining features as well. And that really helps me as a speaker and as an author because I'm taking in so much information um, that then I can then turn around and share that um, with other people. Um, and the other one, we kind of talked about that a little earlier, and that's how we connected as well mm -hmm. with your work at Nurse Next Door was I Love pink. pink. Yeah. So I'm pinker than your average guy. I'm pinker than maybe your average lady. So I have pink glasses and I have a pink uh, wedding ring and a pink uh, pink watch band. Um, and I have pink tattoos now, so nobody can ever say that uh, I'm not currently wearing pink. Uh, my car is wrapped pink for my new book, Pink Goldfish. So my entire Honda Pilot is wrapped in pink. Um, I have pink socks and pink shoes and pink pants and pink shirts and a pink triathlon bike and a pink helmet. Um, and so I even I'm sitting right next to a uh, pink T-Rex. Um, so people send me people send me pink gifts. Um, I have a pink uh, bobblehead doll of myself. Um, so I think that's one of my uniques as well. And that's part of my message about being unique is that it's no fair, I think, to tell people to be unique and then stand there in khakis and a button down uh, shirt that's got your company logo embroidered on it and tell them to be weird. Right. Um, and then drive home in your Honda Accord um, and then live in your three-bedroom, two-bathroom house in the suburbs. There's nothing wrong with having any of those experiences, but I don't think you can tell people to be unique if you're not doing that. I think it's unfair to give people advice that you're not taking. And so pink is just one of those um, outward manifestations of what I teach people. Um, and I feel like in order to be authentic and um, 
to practice what I preach, to walk the talk. Um, yeah. So that's kind of become one of my defining features. And fortunately, uh, my youngest daughter allowed me to drive her to school in the pink vehicle. She was a little concerned about that. And I told her, look, if somebody says, hey, that's, that's, what's your dad drive that stupid pink car for you say? Because he's a professional speaker and an author. He travels all over the world and does amazing things. And he's better than your dad, who's probably like an orthodontist or something. So shut up. And then no offense to orthodontist, but I had to pick something. And then she started laughing and she goes, one of my friends at my new school, his dad, her dad is an orthodontist. And I was like, all right, so don't say that. Um, but it changed her. I gave her an answer where otherwise it's just weird. And weird when you're a certain age is bad because you want to fit in. You want to be accepted. You want right. to be liked. You're not trying to find your three uniques. You're trying to find your three normals. So she's really tall and thin, and, and which is what most women are going for. And then she's upset because she's taller than all her friends and she feels weird. And I'm like, boo, you're not going to find a lot of sympathy for being tall and thin, babe. You gotta, yeah. You're going to have to shake that off. But so that's the point at which she's at. She's not looking for her three uniques. She's looking for her three fit-ins, her three conforms. Um, and so that's a, something that I try to help with and try to you know, talk to her about. Hi, friends. It's Brenda here. I hope you're enjoying our podcast guest today on the Three Uniques podcast. I wanted to interrupt the interview for a couple seconds to let you know about Aligned AF. Aligned AF is my 12-month coaching experience for leaders and entrepreneurs up to big goals in their life, ready to step into their three uniques, and fully aligning their life to their purpose. Imagine yourself living an intentional, values-driven life that aligns all domains, professional, personal, health, wealth, and community impact. You're generating a six-figure and a multi-six-figure business within your first year. You're learning to love every failure and approaching new goals with possibility, energy, and love. You're unlocking your potential and overcoming your limiting beliefs in a short period of time. And you're shifting yourself from looking ahead to looking within to consider your choices, your values, and most of all, your purpose. You're identifying barriers, examining their origins and recognizing and celebrating the range of unique skills and experiences you possess to propel you forward. You're building healthy relationships and routines, setting boundaries around the things, people, ideas that drain you without feeling guilty. If you're interested in learning more about Aligned AF, my 12 month coaching experience for leaders and entrepreneurs, check out 3uniques.com for more details on the Aligned AF coaching experience or other coaching experiences and working with me. Take care, everyone. And now back to our guest. Amazing. So whenever I talk to folks about, um, well, first off, thanks for sharing your three uniques with us um, and me knowing a little bit about you and seeing you speak that totally aligns, I think, with um, what I've seen you portray out there in the, sort of like the public space and here on, on this live. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say to you is that often when I'm talking to folks about and interviewing um, people about their three uniques, uh, sometimes people will say, well, I don't know if this is unique about me. They'll like, they'll preface that, you know, I don't know if this is really like the most unique thing, um, being funny, being a learner, you know, and, but for you and how you manifest it and how you live it every single day makes it unique. You could have two people that say their uniques are creative and yet they're going to go about doing it differently. And so that's yeah. where I think like just kind of step into that. That's your power source and just like live your life that way and see wherever possible where you can have more of those 
like integration points, right? Is it in work or is it just in your personal life? Um, is it in your hobbies, your sports, you know, your activities that you like to do on weekends or after work? Uh, great. But if it's not showing up in your work, you know, then you're going to be sort of incongruent. And that's where I think people tend to sort of shy away, right? To fit in. So for well, me, I it's like, it's how hard do I for people to it's hard for people to answer the question sometimes because I think we spend most of our time trying to not be unique mm -hmm. in a lot of situations because we're worried about being sanctioned or being criticized or being embarrassed or being shamed right. for what we're doing. And so I think oh, I, I used to ask that question all the time when I was a teacher, you know, what's something interesting about you? And most people would be like, oh, there's nothing interesting about me and blah, blah, blah. And then 10 minutes later, I'm the youngest of 12 kids. Uh, that's pretty unique, you know, yeah. but, but again, we, we try to, we try to say, I'm not that weird. I'm pretty normal. Um, when in fact, you know, being normal would be the weirdest possible thing. If you made the average salary and drove the average car and had the average number of kids and you were the average height and you were the average weight and you lived in an average place, you'd actually be the weirdest person on earth because nobody actually really hits most of those averages. That's also um, a good point too. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that I think we struggle with is we think that normal, we, we think normal is good and weird is bad. And so then when somebody says what's weird about you, our initial response is nothing. I'm a good person. And you're mm -hmm. like, whoa, settle down. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. not what I asked. Um, but that's how we equate those words. You know, when we go to the way I explain it in my talks is if we go to a country where they drive on the other side of the road, we don't say, why do you drive on the other side of the road? What an interesting choice. We say, why do you drive on the wrong side of the road? So I think the reason it's hard for people to express their uniqueness oftentimes is because they've spent their life trying to suppress it and to not be unique and to try to fit in and try to manage how they behave based on the people around them. And then you say, tell me what's weird about you. And they're like, no, I've, I've spent my life making sure that, that there's nothing weird about me. I'm a good person who does what I'm supposed to do. Right. Yeah. No, definitely. I try and help people see it from sort of three dimensions, like your skills, your abilities, your talents is one dimension. Yeah. Um, a second dimension is like what you believe, what you value, you know, what you're passionate about. And then yeah. a third dimension is your experiences, past, present, and soon to be future. Because even yeah. if we have like, present experiences or past experiences that are good or bad, they've shaped us into who we are. Yeah. Right. And like, and yeah. just embrace all of it and all of those experiences and those skills that we have and our values and our beliefs make up who we are. And somewhere in the middle of all three of those dimensions is that sweet spot around like what makes us unique. Yeah. 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 I call that alignment, right. Finding that right fit between who you are and where you are. Right. And again, that's one of the key parts. You can't find the right fit between who you are and where you are if you don't know who you are. Mm -hmm. You've spent so much of your time trying to fit into where you are that you, you really don't know. I don't know. I, you know I'll say, are, you know, do you like to be around people or do you like to be alone? I can be alone. I can be with people. Settle down. I wasn't saying, can you? Mm -hmm. I was saying, if you had your choice, you know, what energizes you? What do you enjoy? What what, what makes you feel good while you're doing it? It makes you feel even better once it's over. What fills you up instead of emptying you out? What do you look forward to instead of dreading? You know, if you're a person who loves it when people cancel plans, uh, I was watching a comedian the other day, I forget what his name was, but doing stand-up comedy. And he's like, if you want to make me happy, call me up and cancel plans as I'm walking out the door to do it. He goes, I'm just, he goes, nothing makes me happier than if people cancel plans. Well, that's an introverted thing, right? If you, if you love it when somebody cancels plans, um, 
but if, if you're an extrovert, that's crushing. You have to immediately make new plans. What do you mean right. we're not doing that? We were supposed to do that. I was supposed to see somebody. I'm not staying at home by myself. What's the matter with you? <laughs> you know, that's what we're talking about. Not can you have plans or not have plans. It's do you like, and even plans. Are you a person who makes plans? Are you a person who says, yeah, Brenda, we'll get together. We'll see. Yeah, maybe tomorrow. Maybe it'll work out. Sure, give me a call. Let's see. And you're like, no, I'm trying to put a, an appointment on the calendar. And you're like, no, we'll just, yeah, we'll just, let's just see what happens. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't want to lock myself into plans. Well, that's a certain kind of style. That's a certain kind of uniqueness, whether right. you like to have plans or not. Yeah, no, absolutely. So for you, what are some things that like ground you like rituals or routines that you use to kind of stay in your uniqueness? Because it's easy sometimes, like you said, by default to kind of like want to fit in or I'm feeling like I'm like the odd person out here or I'm in my weirdness and no one else is embracing it. How do you stay grounded in what makes you unique? Well, I think it's, it, it's doing what I do and talking about what I talk about. It constantly pushes me to, to make sure that I'm living my message, right? That I'm not being hypocritical and telling people to do something I'm not doing. Um, and so, you know, I'm always making it pinker. Like I said, wrapping your entire car in pink is a little more of a commitment than pulling on some pink pants. You can't, you can't change that. Right. You don't mix that back up. Uh, yeah. So you're, you're, you're basically, you know, getting everyone's, I mean, people are talking to me in, in, in the drive-through line, you know, uh, people are asking me questions. When I drop my daughter off at college, I'm basically doing my elevator pitch you know, to a college sophomore who's unloading my car to take stuff to my daughter's room. Um, so I think I'm always pushing myself to, to take the message to the next level and to, I mean, and that's what we did with the recent book, Pink Goldfish is Freak Factor was about people and employee engagement and careers and relationships. Uh, but Pink Goldfish says, you know, this applies to business as well. Business weaknesses are strengths as well. And you, we oftentimes miss our opportunity to be unique um, in our business and in our mm -hmm. strategy because it looks wrong. It looks like a mistake. It looks ineffective. It looks unproductive. It looks inefficient compared to industry standards, compared to benchmarks, right. compared to best practices. So it looks wrong It looks because it's weird. And yet we all know we're supposed to differentiate, but any kind of differentiation is going to look like some kind of mistake, like some kind of flaw. And so we've started applying it to that. So I think I'm always just trying to take it farther and I'm trying to practice it even more in my own life. So um, I'll give you an example. Um, my oldest daughter went to the same school from kindergarten through 12th grade. Mm -hmm. um, my second daughter started doing a lot of gymnastics when she was nine, doing about 16 hours a week of gymnastics when she was nine. And she'd already skipped first grade. So that was an example of us trying to allow her to be unique instead of telling her she had to conform to the traditional system of education. Right. And then she said in eighth grade, can I do online school for high school? Can I do an online homeschool program, basically? Um, and we let her do that because my, my rationale was, I have an unconventional work life. Why can't she have an unconventional school life? So it wasn't just unconventional in that it was at home and online. It was also an accelerated program where she would get an associate's degree and graduate from high school on the same day, right? She'd be doing both simultaneously. Wow, that's great. So she graduated from high school and from two years of college a year before most people would graduate from high school. And I made that decision because it was consistent with my message and who I am. And I felt like it was unfair and hypocritical to not give her the same opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now we have a third daughter and she starts high school this year. 
And we were looking at whether her current school was a good fit. And we actually, with her, chose a different school. So I have three daughters, and all three of them will have gone to three different high schools. That's an example of every single day making sure that I'm living my message, practicing what I preach, and applying it, not doing it like as some kind of marketing tool, just applying it and asking, is this true? Uh, how would this impact my relationship with my daughters? How does this impact my relationship with my wife? How does this impact the way that I'm running my business? I, I, I don't allow myself to act in ways that are incompatible with the things I teach. And that's how I keep myself, you know, how I keep myself grounded um, right. is just by making sure I'm, I'm, I'm doing things that are consistent with what I'm teaching on a daily basis. That's awesome. That's such a great example too, just living it into your family. So David, if I was to give you, like you've already got the pink car, but if I was also to give you like a billboard that you could put anywhere in the world and you could put anything on it, what would it say and where would it be? Yeah, that's easy um, because it's what I say over and over and over in my, in my speeches. I probably say it 15 times in my speeches. I say that what makes us weird also makes us wonderful. I know that doesn't fit with your message at all. Uh, what makes us weird also makes us wonderful and what makes us weak also makes us strong. I mean, that's my core message. That's what everything comes back to. We live in a world that teaches us that weird is bad, weird is wrong, weird is a mistake, weird is a problem, um, that normal is good. Um, and we live in a world that says weaknesses are bad and flaws are bad and imperfection is bad. And we miss how those imperfections are interesting. We miss how those imperfections are sometimes unavoidable. We miss how those imperfections are also perfections we miss the connection between weaknesses and strengths so my billboard would say what makes us weird also makes us wonderful and what makes us weak also makes us strong and because you've traveled all over the place where would you put it <laughs> where would i put it um well i would make it i would make the words upside down okay right i would make the words upside down um obviously the words would be in pink we'd probably mm -hmm. go with a black background we'd be going to make it look like like this. the shirt yeah okay where would i put it um, I guess for maximum visibility um, and to push the envelope a little bit, I'd put it in the largest city in the largest country in the world, which is China. So I think, um, you know, we have a long way to go on weird being wonderful in America, but it's definitely even less wonderful in China. Um, and there's a lot more restrictions and controls over what people can be and what people can say and what people can yeah. believe. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely try to spread the message somewhere where uh, it was a little bit even more revolutionary than it is here. Awesome. So amazing. Um, what's a habit that you wish you had started earlier in your life? What's a habit that I wish I would have started earlier in my life? Um... I don't have a lot of habits. Um, the two habits that I have, I did start early in my life. I've always been active, baseball, football, basketball, everything. I was obsessed with sports when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, so I started that habit as a young age. And even though I wasn't reading nonfiction, I loved to read as a kid, Hardy Boys books and you know, right. anything, I, anything I could sort of get my hands on. And that's still one of my habits to this day. Um, so those are still my main two habits. I'm very much not a habit-based person. I'm a very non-routine person. I love novelty. And I'd rather go someplace new than go someplace I've been before. And I'd rather do something different than do something I've done before. 
Um, so I think those are my only real two habits. And I've, I started them at a very young age, which again, is I think kind of my point, like that's always been who I am. Um, and um, now I'm just more clear about it. And I, I invest more time in it more intentionally. But I guess one of my habits is not having a lot of habits, if that makes sense. One of my, okay. um, my, my that's one of my uniquenesses is that I, I, well, and I also can't have, especially like time-based routines because of my travel schedule and things like that mm -hmm. would be very difficult. So people are like, how do you train for your Ironmans or what's your routine? And it's like, I exercise when I can, where I can, for whatever time I can and in whatever format that I can. Uh, you know, I get sleep whenever I can by taking naps and sleeping in if I can or not, or taking a nap to catch up. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of consistent routines or habits that I, that I engage in. Amazing. So great, David, to have you on today and just get connected to you. And I find every time I uh, interview a new person for Three Uniques, it just keeps me inspired around uh, the work. And so I appreciate you taking time out to talk to me this morning and sharing your Three Uniques. I'm happy to do it. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. And for everyone tuning in, I always say this, there's seven and a half billion, actually 7.7 .7 billion people on the planet. So, <laughs> you know, get out there and share your three uniques. Somebody wants your three uniques. So get out there. Take care, David. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's guest on the Three Uniques podcast. Uh, as always, we really appreciate your time and your commitment to listening to our guests every week. And we'd love for you to be able to share this podcast with others and encourage other people to get out there and share their three uniques. So please take a few moments to like, share this podcast, leave a review and let us know what you think. And also let us know who you'd like to hear more from, uh, what type of guests you want us to bring on for future podcast interviews. Thanks so much. Remember, get out there and share your three uniques. There's seven and a half billion people on this planet and somebody needs what you've got. Take care, friends.